Hello everyone, this is Trey Borden, and welcome to this episode of What We Gonna Do. Welcome everyone to another episode of What We Gonna Do. We're joined by Dr. Flo John Kofer. Um, she's a trained epidemiologist. She's also a, an untrained truth teller, maybe trained by life. <laughs> <laughs> and she is uh, in charge. She's the chair of the Measure U Committee, which is, a, uh, I guess, a, an initiative that was passed by the people of Sacramento in order to prioritize new spending and new budgets. Um, recently, it's come under controversy because the way that the Measure U funding has been spent or prioritized is counter to what was promised. And also in light of the kind of racial reawakening and kind of anti-police protests that have taken place in this city and many other cities, um, it doesn't reflect what the people say they want. And she and Dr. F- Dr. Flo, as she's commonly known, has been a outspoken critic of the current administration in Sacramento, led by Mayor Daryl Steinberg, um, who has been, you know, I'm not going to put words in her mouth, I'm going to put words in my own mouth, and I'm like, he ain't shit. Because the way that he's approached this has been very disappointing. Many of us have supported him. Sacramento, for those of you who don't know, is like one of the most diverse cities in the nation. And so it has the raw material um, to be an exemplary metropolis. Like this is, if we did things right, it would give a lot of lessons to so many cities around the nation, around the world even. And the fact that at every juncture where we could step up, we have faltered, we have fucked up (laughs) and we have also denigrated the people who are hurting the people who have been deprived of resources we have actually been exemplary in terms of like here's what's not to do here's how you don't respect people who actually have been undermined and have been oppressed by what's going on in our city and like the priorities that we reflect in our budgets um support that and so you know dr Flo has been very very uh She's in a difficult position of kind of being part of like the administration in terms of like respect and in terms of authority, but also being denigrated by that same authority. So anyways, I hope that that's, you know, now that we're recording, <laughs> I hope this is a, a more suitable introduction to, you know, the formidable person in our midst. So please introduce mm-hmm. yourself and kind of like introduce kind of what Measure U is and sure. kind of the context that we find ourselves in. Sure. So I, uh, I am the Senior Director of Policy at Public Health Advocates and also the Chair of the Measure U Community Advisory Committee. And our committee was formed last year when the second Measure U um, sales tax was passed. So the history of Measure U is that there was a sales and use tax that was passed in 2012 by voters um, to, and it was a temporary half-cent tax that was set to expire in, tw- in 2019. Um, and the whole intent of it really was to restore police fire services and park maintenance and other what they deemed essential city services that had to be cut during the recession in 20 in 2008 and so um, as it was set to expire the mayor and council decided to put a permanent one cent sales tax on the ballot in November 2018 and so that would be doubling the amount of revenue that would come in about a hundred million dollars a year 
And they promised that- Which is substantial. Which is substantial. Um, Our general fund budget usually ranges somewhere between 400 and $500 million. So that would basically be like, you know, bringing in an additional 10% of revenue. Um, And so so they, at the time, the way that they campaigned was, we've restored those services. And so everything we did with the first half cent is going to stay where it was. But the second half cent is going to be used for- Which is permanent. Economic development, right. And this is permanent. And that was going to go to inclusive economic development. And that they were also going to make sure that they spent some money on affordable housing and homelessness. And part of that plan was to do a bond. Um, except- And I want to make clear, like this, the mayor was a huge proponent of this plan. Yes. Yes. He, said- he was- he ran around town to, campaigning to, to, primarily to. for this um, because there were some other advocates, and I know I was in that group um, that was that were looking at um, a sugary drink tax for Sacramento, which could have brought in um, a pretty hefty amount of money. And they decided not to go in that direction because Measure U was going on the ballot, and they were gonna they were explicitly saying that the second half cent was going to be used for these purposes. Now we were all worried because this there is were a skeptics. Fund there tax. were skeptics of this plan because people were like. There's no, there's not any kind of, uh, we can't control how this money is spent. It's up to them to do. We have to trust right. them. Right. Because and that's a, that's a voter thing. That's a voter thing. So if you want the money to be given have to a specific purpose, then you have to have a two thirds majority. And that's really hard to get two thirds of the people who vote to say yes. If you just wanted to go into your general fund and allow your city council and mayor to decide where it goes, you only have to have a 50% majority. And so this new half cent tax passed at 57%. So the question we is always there. The uh, we didn't have the super majority that we would have needed. Well, the to question, have the that's tax, the question. But- that's the question, because so many people, I think, who voted no might have voted yes if it was going to a specific purpose and they could be. Because some people that. voted no because it didn't have any kind of Correct. Correct. And, and so we and always and have to remember that. Bor- and they've been borne out. Yep. Yep. Yeah. They, they were right. And even so, we, you know, the Sacramento Sister Circle puts together a voter guide. And I distinctly remember this one because we said something to the effect of like, remember when, um, you know, Hillary Clinton was our presidential, uh, 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 you know, candidate and we held, held our breath and said, girl, I guess I'm with her. The same thing is true here. I want that, that shirt. Like, Girl, I, Girl guess. I guess I'm with her. That's like that's a Joe Biden shirt. It's like, right? Yeah, like I, hope so, I, nigga. I, I don't know. I guess this is what we this is what we doing. Like that's what we, that's it needs to be a question mark. This is what we doing. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's 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 where it was like we we laid out the case so that people could feel justified in whichever position they came to because we really were honestly like, look, if we lose the first half cent. You know the police and fire have contracts and they're going to get their money. So then we're going to be closing down pools and parks. We're not going to be able to have free transportation for kids under 21. Like, we're going to have these tanks on the and horizon. grenades, but we're not going to have pools. We're not going to have pools. We're not going to have the stuff that we know our communities need. The flip side of that, though, is that the police always get their money and there's no protection to say they won't. And so, um, so remember, the, the campaign promise was half of the money goes to inclusive economic development. Trey, how much of this money do you think has actually gone to inclusive economic development? Let me put my optimistic hat on. (laughs) I would say 20%. You would be absolutely wrong. The very first year, it was 7%, and this year it's 5%. But the police got 41% of the money last year and are now getting 51% of the money. 
And what's, you know, I want to, I want to emphasize how offensive and kind of like, almost like, it's not just kind of offensive as a black person, because you're like, you should be prioritizing people that you've always delegitimized and oppressed. But it's also kind of like not strategically smart. It's like, we could actually be someone, a, a city that is trying to innovate. Like, imagine what we could do with like, 5% of five, you know, $100 million a year, just to try new shit. Just to say, hey, what is it like to like, you know, support a community initiative around kind of policing? Or what is it like to like, give people who are poor and black money straight up? The basic income. I mean, what happens. totally agree. what happens. It's not even about like, we need to prove what's going to happen before we allocate these funds. It's like this money was for trying out inclusive economic development. It right. shouldn't have an outcome that it needs to be attached to. It's just about, hey, we're going to give communities that are deprived money. Right. Imagine that. Imagine that. And especially because we have the money. So the thing that, that's frustrating to me is... We voted for the money. So housing and homelessness have gotten zero dollars because they, they, the plan the city council had was that they were going to bond against this. And I have challenges with bonds because it basically is debt that we're incurring and then we have to pay this debt service for forever. And so I get sometimes that's necessary. I mean, like people have mortgages on their homes. Like there are things that you have to go into debt for, right? But a city needs to be really careful what they choose to go into debt for and what they don't, because you're basically saddling the next generation, right? For, mm-hmm. you know, 20, 30 years Welcome to America with that debt. And so now that the city's credit rating has gone down because of COVID-19 and the impact it's had on the budget, that bond is gone. So there will be no money going to housing and uh, affordable housing and homelessness. Um, it's servicing that debt. It will also, the thing about kind of debt service is that it also takes priority about kind of like uh, discretionary priorities, right? Yep. It's like, we can't even do what we want because we actually have to do this. Exactly, exactly. And that's um, also kind of like the, the plan. Right, exactly. And so this, the, you know, it's outrageous. And the only answer to this is that it was a bait and switch, right? Because just last year, Mayor Steinberg said, and I will quote him, he said, people Please. would not have voted for Measure U if they thought it was only going to pay for pensions and salaries. This is now a matter of trust with the voters. None of what I described was unknown or contradicted before the election. We knew the pension obligations and we made it clear that Measure U was not intended to be a solution to that problem. Thank you for quoting him directly because he needs to be held so accountable that you run for mayor. I know we cut that out because we weren't recording earlier, but <laughs> I'm going to say here now, Dr. Flo for mayor. <laughs> That's all I'll say. Uh, I, I take that in the spirit of which given, but I want to make it clear to anyone listening that the only campaign I am running right now is to get this Measure You money back, and I do not have any intentions of running Spoken for Spoken like a true candidate for mayor. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, and I want to make clear that I'm going to do everything in my power to make her run for me. <laughs> oh, Trey. And you know that I don't give up. I do know that. I, that's, that's part of the reason why I'm, I'm laughing and terrified. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think the last thing you want is a strong advocate with their heart set on doing something that you don't want to do. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> she don't know she the wants station, to yet. You'll be like, wait, what's happening? Where am I going? Hold on. Who, who left? What? What? Why? I, was like, I, be some, I get my ballot and I'm like, why is my editing. name on this ballot? When did I? I don't remember filing. <laughs> How'd I win? How'd I win? What, what just <laughs> happened here? Um, 
what I think though, Trey, about this that's most egregious is that the police don't even need this money. So, you know, it's it's interesting to me because the mayor said when he attended our last uh, Measure U committee meeting about a week ago, or now almost two weeks ago, he said, you know, I, you know, this is not the, the police committee, like this is not, and I'm like, then don't give all our money to it because we're the Measure U oversight committee. So wherever you spend our money, that's now what we have oversight on. So now I have to pour through, what did the police spend this money on? Was it useful? Was it effective? You know, wh- how, what was their overtime? Like all was this it is our responsibility. Yeah, I have to, I I mean, just, like, now I have the, to dive the into that. that. That's on, the fact that that's on you, right? You're like, I see the outcomes of policing. I do. I should not have to go through it with a fine tooth comb to prove to you that there's more effective ways to use this money. Right. And, and even further, I'm like, we know based on like this awakening that's happening that like we have over prioritized policing versus actually helping communities. That's not a case I need to make, you know? And the fact that like I saw, and you know, I got very upset when I saw you say your piece at the measure you, which by the way, we had a fucking drag kicking and screaming the mayor to even attend. We had to drag yeah. kicking and screaming to even have the meeting because they had been even canceling have our meeting, meeting for months. You had to say, I'm having this meeting no matter what. No matter what. <laughs> and then they're like, oh, no, 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 we'll have the meeting and we'll even have, have the mayor attend. Really? So, and so, yeah, so all that. And then when he got there and he heard your, your arguments, which were not unreasonable by any stretch of the word. It was like, this is what you said you wanted to do with this money. The money is here. On top of all that, here is what has transpired in the interim, which makes it even more necessary to investigate other ways to use this money, certainly not for the police. And he's like, I hear you, but don't give a fuck. Yeah. And I'm like, that's ridiculous. Your job's not the same as mine, and 80% of the voters voted for me, so sit down, little girl. No one voted, no one ran against you, nigga. Like, honestly, like, no one even ran against you. It's like, you were, I mean, I can't. I was like, no one ran against you because Sacramento is so provincial that, like, it's hard to go against established power. Even someone is like, you know, and I will say, Daryl Steinberg is probably going to go down in history as one of the most effective state senator presidents, pro tems of our state, given what California likes to prioritize. Mm -hmm. He's very effective. I mean, Willie Brown, not as tight as that, but an effective operator, for sure. And the fact that he's not using his established credibility for equity and for people that need it, I am appalled. Yeah. And there's no other cave. I mean, there's no other way to feel about someone like Daryl Steinberg. If you're watching this, you ain't shit. (laughs) I'll say that. And I love Kelly. Yeah. (laughs) Hi, Kelly. Um, Here's the thing. I am disappointed because, and this is what I said on the record to him, you know, don't stand up and tell me that you care about kids when you funded the opposition to the measure to save two and a half percent of our budget for kids. Like you funded it. It was you, it was the, the fire union was number one in funding at like $41,000. The police union came in at another $30,000. And the third person on that list of highest contributions to fund against protecting two and a half percent of the money for kids, okay, was Daryl Steinberg at $15,000. This was two, two and a half percent of the budget would have been somewhere around $12 million a year 
for 12 years just to make sure that if we had an economic downturn, we had some money set aside. We had some cover. We had some cover for these kids. Care. It was not a new tax. It would have made it so that he wouldn't have had to come to us bringing his hand saying, well, the police took all the money. We'd know at least two and a half percent was protected for the kids. And sure enough. This sounds pitiful, by the it way. It sounds pitiful, especially when, you know, the measure you increased that the police got last year was $10 million. Just off top. Probably for their overtime. Didn't, he, didn't even say anything, right? Like, they didn't even bother. They didn't have to. It was just like, by the way. Here's, here, here's some good money. And then the mayor turns around and instead of apologizing for that, because it's campaign promise broken number one, he turns around and says, well, I mean, the majority of the second half cent is going to go to that, except it doesn't. There was only $6.2 million and the, and out of $100 million. And this is why we should have dollars. insisted upon strings. Because the people who are skeptical, they're like, we don't trust these people. Right. They were right. They were right. They're we were right. like, we work with them. You know what? Uh, let me bring this. Let me let me pull these receipts. So remember when Stephon Clark was shot, and you know I was talking mad shit, and you were probably talking like a a much more measured shit. <laughs> and Daryl Steinberg. No, it was just you were my you were my anger translator, and hopefully I'm yeah, somebody else's anger like, translator. I don't like, need so it was me, you, and Alika Brown. And I was mm-hmm. like, and Mayor Steinberg said, come meet with me. I want to understand black needs and wants. And I understand that you guys are in pain. And I want you to think I have credibility. And we held our noses and we and went Ramel. to the, And Ramel. And, and Ramel. You know, mm-hmm. you know. And Ramel. <laughs> you know, I'm like, that happened. And he was like, tell me what you feel. And we were like, I don't feel as if your response to Stephon Clark's shooting, I don't feel your, your empathy with black people is sufficient or authentic. And if you really want our support, and I'm, I mean, like, and he, you know, to his credit, called the worst niggas in the, in the city to tell him about his life. Yeah. You know, you, me, Ramel, Elika, that's... Not, we're shit. not we're not we're not people who are known for biting our tongue. We're not <laughs> or, yeah. or sugarcoating anything. We're like, here's the medicine. Eat it. <laughs> Eat it. Also, I actually am an epidemiologist. And I can actually form medicine. <laughs> you know, so it's like I and, 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 and I I want to believe that in that moment he was authentic and saying, "Hey, I know that I don't know how to deal with this and I'm actually relying upon you to tell me how to move forward and i after all the shit i said i was like look if you're serious about this shit please do something and here's what you can do and you have a stable of niggas who are like here's how you do this shit and here's how you mean it and here's what the outcomes would be if you meant it and so to see this display this pitiful display of like and actually it's not even like he cares like the impression i get from daryl steinberg when i see him speak is someone who like, he's not talking to us. He's talking to someone else. He's talking to the 80% in his mind that voted for him, that live in Orangevale, or that don't care about Dr. Flo or Trey. And they're just like, well, I, this is who I, or police, or he's talking directly to He's gotten $53,000 in campaign contributions from the police union. So he's talking to the people who donate to his campaigns and he's making them feel good because 
law and order is going to be restored, but he said some nice liberal talking points so everybody can feel like they're not the, the Ku Klux Klan. That's really what it is. It's like making people who are doing damaging things feel like they're the good people. And they're not. And the, and, and the thing is, like, and what's so, like, if I were Daryl Steinberg, I'd be like, homie, like, this, you won, yeah, you won. But you're never going to win again with this type of shit. And he you wants know? And Chris Matsui's job, right? Like he, Girl, he, I will run for Congress before I let that shit happen. I swear to God. On God. I'm like, I'm not even trying to run to win. I'm running to him lose. To spoil, yes. Katie Dolan's will already beat me to Steve Steve because I didn't want that nigga to win at all. Yeah, I go Katie. I, I'm, I couldn't be happier with that outcome, <laughs> honestly. Please, oh my God. I was, dude, like, you're so petty. I'm like, mm, not petty enough to run though. She got it. <laughs> so yeah. I just think that like so in terms of what can be done because like mm-hmm. so I want you to kind of characterize the controversy around you speaking out because I do not think you've made a lot of people happy except people who are acknowledging how fucked up this all is yeah I <laughs> so I will be really honest I think there were probably some people who in Sacramento who are like see this is why we should have never le- let them learn how to read because <laughs> Because I do think that they're a, I recognize, you know, you're, you're a rare breed, but I do think there's a way that Californians engage with one another that is more polite than the East coast. And as an East coaster, I don't, I don't do not like nice is something that's reserved for like, you know, babies and children and people who are dying. Like when you're, when you're, when you're in a position of authority and I'm coming to tell you what the problems are, I'm going to make a well-reasoned argument. I'm going to have done my research and I'm going to present you with numbers and, you know, with an argument that says this is what you need to do. And so that's what I laid out for him. I didn't, I think it's interesting how that it was, I mean, take down fine. I'll, I'll take that. But I think people are like, it was angry. And I'm like, well, first of all, anger is a normal human emotion. And we, if you're not angry, you're not paying attention. Um, secondly, also, I didn't call him out of his name. About how to discredit black women. Of course. Absolutely. Yeah. Because, and I, I am actually of the belief that when we profession, when we say it's not professional to show certain emotions, we are engaging in system justifying tendencies. We're basically saying that if you don't like the way things are right now, you're not a professional and you lose credibility. And that is the exact opposite of what we should want if we're actually trying to create. When the profession doesn't not. have credibility. Exactly. So I, I laid out for him arguments about. Nuts, and I feel like I should be as credible as. Absolutely. Absolutely. I wear my hair in locks. I, I, I feel the same way. I think that part of what the people who are upset about it are upset about is that you're not supposed to, pe- to talk to people in authority like that. You're not supposed to tell them they're wrong. You're not supposed to tell them that their ideas are uninspired. You're not supposed to tell them that it, it doesn't make sense. You're not supposed to call out the things that they've said and how they contradict with the things that they've done. You're not supposed to do that. And you're certainly not supposed to do that to someone who is supposedly a Democrat, someone who's supposedly on your side, right? I think there's this feeling of like, it's friendly fire. And it's like, we have Trump to fight against. And I keep trying to remind folks that Trump is not in Sacramento, okay? We have a super majority in the assembly. We have a super majority in the state Senate. And we have a, we have a, we have a totality of city council. All nine of them are registered Democrats. So 
this is not a this is not a, a friendly fire thing. This is a does your word lined up with your deeds? And I'm not in a gang. I'm, I'm not blood in, blood out on any of this stuff. So if you're not right, I'm coming for you. I don't care if you share a hair care. But also, with it me. actually means more because first of all, they they let a they let a wolf into the chicken coop. <laughs> you know, it's like they let they like they, they and and this is what I the reason I brought up what what the mayor did with us personally is that like despite our outspokenness. He thought that we were the right black people, that if he could convince us that he was, you know, well-intentioned, that we'd tone it down and that we would provide cover for his terrible and uninspired and I would say racist decision-making. Absolutely. And he, and, and after he did that, he appointed you to this position, which means that he was like, she's a doctor, she's an epidemiologist, she cares about her reputation, she cares about outcomes, she cares about access, he probably said in his mind. Oh yeah, I had the, I had the behind closed doors meeting where I was told that I'm part of the city's leadership team, and I said no, I'm not. I am over your oversight committee. That means my job is to look with a critical eye on everything you do and to then give you advice on how you can do it better. I'm not part of the city's leadership team. That let's make that very clear here. You're like, and, and, and then the Howard Chan asked me to make sure you guys don't do what you're doing. And then Howard Chan asked me the question. I think we all want to know is, do you trust us? No, bitch. What? What? What have you done? If it was up to me, Howard Chan would be living in fucking golf. Howard Chan is our city manager, and it's a name for those of you listening who may not be familiar because we do talk a lot about the mayor and city council, but he is is appointed to his position. He technically works for them, although they often act like they work for him. And he has a lot of power and does not have to be subject to the sunshine laws around the Brown Act. So he can start committees that don't have to, um, you know, that, that, that can have meetings that aren't televised and that can have agendas that are posted at the last minute. Like he's not required to do anything. So as you run for mayor, we're also going to concurrently run a strong mayor campaign. <laughs> mayor Johnson was not a great uh, person to kind of be the face of strong mayor because, you know, he tries to finger children. But, that's, you know, that's, <laughs> that, that is that's, as succinctly as you can say. No strongness. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think that, like, what's actually the problem is that not only do we not have, you know, leadership that has any backbone or kind of moral or values driven agenda. We also, even if we did, even if you were mayor, you don't have the power to be like, Howard, kick rocks. We need someone actually about that life in this job. The mayor is basically the, the chair of the meetings and a city council member that's elected by the entire city, right? Like that, it's, it's just a ninth vote. It's not, there's no, there's no special power. It's not like I want governor, someone right? in charge. You know, because yeah. that, that's how we hold them accountable. And we you can't, can't hold Howard Chan accountable because he's not elected. Not in charge of anything. Right, right. And we can't hold Howard Chan accountable because he's not elected. Um, and so, but but he runs a lot of the budget. And, a, and I, you know, a lot of, I think, where... What are your feelings are about, like, I mean, what do you, I mean, don't say anything you don't feel comfortable saying, but <laughs> what... Do you think his priorities are like why given that he might have even the majority of the say so and kind of how budgets are prioritized like why is he doing what he's doing so you know i I, i'm not i always hesitate to like share people's personal business but i think he has a 
I think he has his own traumas. And I think that they play out in city politics. I think he has an affinity for the police because of the role that they played in his own personal traumas. Um, And so I think he likes to fund them. I think he is uncomfortable generally with conversations around advanced peace or the program that preceded it, um, ceasefire that, that went away in 2014. I think he doesn't, I think he, he very much believes in the good guys and bad guys philosophy of this. And he wants the bad guys to be locked up and go away. And he believes that the police are part of the good guys and that there are maybe a few bad apples that might need to be contended with. But generally speaking, there's a lot of thugs out in these streets engaging in mayhem and making our cities unsafe. And we need the boys in blue to do, to do it right. I mean, that's, that's, where, that's where it comes from. And, I, and I, I want to express empathy to anyone who is a victim of violence, because I get that when you and your, or your family have been victimized, that it violates your sense of safety and your sense of trauma, but it doesn't like take away your responsibility to still have to think through yeah, but critically like and think through with data. And I, I would be honest if I said, if I didn't, you know, I would be dishonest if I didn't say, I think some of that is also wrapped up in racism. I think it's wrapped up in, um, in an uncritical lens. Like I don't think Howard Chan doesn't strike me as somebody who's particularly well read it beyond budgets and accounting in terms of social theory, in terms of what works. Like, I don't think he's, he's read, I would go on on a limb and say, I don't think he's ever read a book about what we could do other than policing to make ourselves safe. I think when he hears the words public safety, he thinks police and fire, and he doesn't think housing and schools and community investment. Um, and, and he fucks his own people up. I mean, Hmong people, I mean, I don't know, he's not Hmong, but he's Asian. They're some of the poorest people in this region. It's like you at your detriment say, police and fire is okay, and like they'll just save the day. It's like every single person in Sacramento who is resource deprived loses under this infrastructure, under this priority system. There's no way for anyone to, I mean, besides maybe kind of like established, well-resourced white people to say, this is working. Howard Chan can't go back to his own community and say it's working. Yep. Even if you just judge him based on what he says about Asian people. Yep. There's no way. Yeah. I, I, I definitely think that, like, and I'm not saying this because he's Asian American. I'm saying this because I think that this is sort of a category that Americans fall into in general, is there are people who still believe in the American dream and people who don't. Um, and I think the people who still believe in the American dream are people who see this who think that the system as it works or as it is can work and there may be some ways to tweak it, but that ultimately they are, they want to justify the existing system because it's good and it offers opportunity and all of those, you know, and they see themselves in it. Right. And then I think there are the people who are like, this American dream has not come true. It's been a nightmare for many of us. And it's, and it's not designed for this. And this is, these are all talking points. This is all dogma. It's not real, right? And I think people fall into, into I, I mean, I hate to dichotomize in that way because there's certainly gray areas. But I think people are either like, this is working. Let's make it better. Or let's try something different. And I, then I think the, the level of pragmatism, you go about that, right? Like I... I don't live in a world where there are unicorns that, you know, fart rainbows. So I get that I'm not going to wake up tomorrow and have, you know, everything completely devolved. And so I I do try to operate within this structure, but I'm also trying, I also try to be very clear that when I'm operating, I am an abolitionist at heart. 
I think that we need a constitutional convention for the whole country so we can go back and rethink even the structures that we have in place because they weren't put in place to burn that shit. By most of us, <laughs> I think we need to rethink what we consider as public safety. I would be totally fine with disbanding the police and fire departments and rethinking what they do in terms of fire, I think has far too many full-time employees that are doing far too much medical stuff. And that could be, you know, reallocated elsewhere. And then we don't have enough part-time fire people when we have fires that we need to fight. And so then we rely on prison labor. And so I think that's a problem that needs some design thinking around it, right? We have too many people sitting around the firehouse. Or just moral thinking. Yeah, like too many people sitting around doing non-fire related jobs and costing us a fortune when most of the time, and then when we have a fire, we don't have enough people. That feels like a problem we can we can figure out, right? Um, policing, again, I think we invest too much. Like they get 45% of the entire city budget. And even if we gave them zero dollars- and, and they solve like two crimes a year. Correct. They get 45%, which is almost $180 million a year. And even if we took the entire allocation they get from Measure U away from them, they still would get the, like, the biggest chunk of our city budget. Like they get almost $180 million that even if we took all $45.7 million away from them from Measure U, they still would get the largest chunk of the city budget. Like fire, fire gets a hundred and I think seventeen. And what do they have to show for it? This is this is the this is the long. That's what I'm saying. That is like I mean they they, the New York Times two 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 fucking felony crimes a year. Yeah. What are you doing mostly? Just harassing niggas. Harassing most people, um, and, and again, the, the only tools they really have are violence, right? You can arrest, you can threaten, you can harm, or you can shoot. Um, and so they show up, and I think the thing that, that we often don't talk about as well is how many situations escalate because the police show up that would have died out on their own or would have been perfectly peaceful without them. Um, and what do alternatives look like, right? Because- Look at what happened in Atlanta. It's exactly. like, can you imagine an 80-year-old lady falling asleep in a drive-thru and end up fucking shot? No of way. Not. Of course not. Of course not. That'd be, that'd or, be or if, Or if we had just an emergency mental health, um, you know, like, like we have here with MH First that's, put, that's um, sponsored by Anti-Police Terror Project, where they, you know, you can call them if there's a mental health crisis and they don't show up with weapons. They show up with food and water and medical supplies and they're like, can we help you? And, and intention to solve a problem, not to make a problem. Right. They are successful in what they do because they don't show up. Escalate. Nobody is like, oh, shoot, MH versus here. I got to run. I got warrants. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't escalate a situation. You're not now worried about your safety. You're not worried about there being criminal justice consequences to them being here. And that's part of what I think the police will not even engage in a conversation about is how many of the incidents that occur happen because you were there and you were not in a prevention mode. You were actually the lighter fluid on. You're trying to justify your being there. Right. And the only way to justify And you made it worse. Right. To the tune of, so the part of the reason why I've made the, the argument that the police don't need this money is because they already get 45% of the budget. Um, so, and even if we took away all the Measure U money, they still would have the biggest chunk of the budget. And because they cost taxpayers at least $8.2 million and less than a year with all these settlements we had to pay out. $5.2 yeah, I mean, million honestly. to John Hernandez, two point four to Stefan Clark, and then $550,000 uh, for hurting the protesters in East Sacramento. And I bring that one up because uh, that's another example of something that would have been totally peaceful had they not shown up and they were the aggressors and then it cost the city half a million dollars. Honestly, I'm an advocate for a policy that says 
you know what? Show up, fuck up. But that money, that settlement money comes directly from your budget. Because now we're paying. I mean, Why is that not even already happening? What, what is your premium when you've had to pay out $8.2 million in settlements? Because I can tell you the insurance company is going to be charging a lot, a lot oh of money. Oh, my God. Moody's is letting your ass up. Exactly. You know, and, I mean, they're like, you I know, don't insure that. $7 million in overtime costs. Um, the, and then the thing that I think makes this all worse is that we have lost $90 million in Sacramento due to COVID-19. And these folks are still contracted to get their 3.5% annual raise. They just got one on December 19th of 2019, and they're getting another one on December 19th of 2020, while our state workers, who make up most of the tax base in Sacramento, are going through a 9.23% pay reduction along with two days a month in furloughs. Make that make sense for me. Well, it can't. And like, there's no way to make it make sense. And I think the only way to deal with this is a, to confront it and be like, here's our situation. Just as clearly as you've laid out, here's what is actually happening. Does that make sense to you voter? Does that make sense to you person in Sacramento who actually does not want to live in a tax funder police state? It's, it's, to conclude this episode, which I think, you know, we have laid the foundation for what's fucked up. What, if I'm a person in Sacramento or in any city that someone is looking at this at, what is to be done? What could they do to affect Measure U funding and what could they do in their own city to kind of make their voice heard about reprioritizing city funds? So the if you're in sacramento july 1st the city council is having a special meeting on public safety the mayor has come up with some his his reform agenda um but we really need to be pushing back and saying you need to take this money back and you need to give it to communities and i'm really lifting this up because um some of the parents you know for for folks in sacramento you may be aware that there's been a lot of recent gun violence um and there are people who don't always connect these two issues and so i want to be very clear in connecting them the mothers who have lost um, children to gun violence had an event last Saturday. And what was so striking to me is these are the people who have the right to be angry about anything they want to. And you know what most of them said? There's not enough money in our communities and that's why this is happening. And you know why there's not enough money in our communities? Because we spend 73% of our budget on police and fire with police getting 45% and we have not invested in these communities. And so when we sit here during an economic downturn, which is closed schools, which, you know, or, or a pandemic, which is closed schools, caused an economic downturn, closed our businesses, separated people from the things that they do to be able to make themselves feel better and connect, it's not surprising that gun violence has gone up. And because it's only we're going all to stressed. increase. And we're, we're all financially stressed, we're all personally stressed, and we're all socially stressed, and our mental health is deteriorating. People are calling the suicide hotline at, at, un, at record numbers. Domestic violence has gone up. Like, these are all things we know because they follow patterns that when there's financial stress and personal stress and social stress, think violence will occur. Bah, and so bah, we bah, know bah. the answer to that, right? And the answer to that is to alleviate some of that stress. That doesn't come by giving the police a raise this year. That comes by making sure that we're investing in those communities and making sure that they have what they need, including housing protections, including jobs, include like, right? Like we're in a place right now where that should be our highest priority and need, not- Low hanging fruit as well. And that was the promise. 
So if you're in Sacramento, I encourage you, there is um, a slide deck that will allow, actually allow you to walk through. It's about 15 slides that will allow you to walk through everything we talked about here so you don't have to be an expert on it. You can share it on social media. It's tinyurl.com slash giveitbacksac. tinyurl.com slash giveitbacksac. And so if you go there, you can see the presentation. Share it with your, if you're a union member, share it with your union. Share it with your faith community. Share it with your community organizations. Share it, take it on your, your tablet and show it to grandma and walk her through it. Tell her to tell her whole bridge club that they, because they've probably figured out how to play bridge on Zoom now. We all know. Tell her to tell all her friends, right? Like we need, we need people to reach out and to call. We need to spread the word and we need to reach out and call and let them know that we're in a state of emergency and our communities deserve investment. We need to remind them that the police should not get raises, raises or any budget increase when we can't afford the money that we promised to the communities. And then to tell them to spend the money how they promised on inclusive economic development, on housing, and on homelessness. Those are the pressing needs. And I actually think we have a moment now if we can all come together on this. This is not specifically a fight about defunding the police, although that is one of the things that are happening. This is about honoring our campaign promises and making sure that we give, we actually invest in public safety. If you want to be safe, these are the things you do. If you want to have shoot, if you want to have somebody respond to an emergency, then keep funding the police. But I want to be very clear that for me in my house, justice for me is not solving my murder. Justice for me is me never being murdered in the first place. And that happens when we invest in prevention and police are not prevention. They are violence workers. I want somebody to invest in the thing that's not violence. So all you've told me is a uh, mayoral campaign platform. <laughs> These people so I'm really mind. glad that I could facilitate the launch of that. Um, so, yeah. So do what Flo said. Honestly, I think that, you know, it was worth having this conversation to give some tangible tools to people who live in the city still. I am, I am so disappointed by the leadership that we've selected in the city, but I'm very heartened by the people who yet live here who are demanding for things to be different. And you are like, you know, case one of someone who I think like is actually in a position to speak on some shit, who knows what they're talking about and who will not settle for less, you know? And I think that that is what, and I think that Sacramento has settled for less for a long motherfucking time. We have said, you know what, Mm, whatever. That is not okay anymore, and we thankfully have cultivated and actually kind of like given people access who like actually do not demand or who who do not settle for less and who demand real change. And if you don't do it and you ain't about that life, they will tell you to your face at a council meeting, you ain't about that life. And I think that that is something that they are very frightened of because there's a whole culture of mediocrity that says, I won't call you out so long as you don't call me out because the whole house of cars falls down if we start actually needing competence. And I am so sick of that shit. Yep. As are many people who have suffered and who've been murdered because people just refuse to get people in charge who care. Yep. So yep. thank you very much. Thank you. Thank this you for having been- me on. I appreciate it. I hope that this ends up mattering, but I'm just like, just to, just to get all your thoughts in one place and put it out in the world. 
I think will mean a lot. And I think that everything you said is, is so vital and also so kind of like sensible. It's not like you've said anything crazy. You're just kind of like, aren't we supposed to be doing what we said we wanted to do? And shouldn't we do what we say we wanted to do because that's better than what we've been doing? Those aren't outlandish claims, you know? Yeah. So I think that it was really important to spotlight your kind of certainty about the situation. And uh, hopefully it matters because honestly, like if it, if it continues to go the way it's going, they have much more to worry about than budget adjustments. Mm-hmm. You know, we about, we about to adjust this goddamn building. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, like, you know, it's only, we're probably going to have to do another shelter in place if the COVID numbers keep going as they are. And it, people are, like, the stress of that is going to cause there to be more, more, you know, protests. And they're going to be, like, it's going to continue to escalate. And unless folks really do something to address what people are protesting. You know, and if it comes to that, it's like, okay, well, let's fight then. Because apparently y'all don't listen to reason. You don't listen to the writing on the wall, which says shit got to change because most of us are suffering. Yep. So, you know, all right, well, love you, sweetheart. This has been fantastic. Uh, Thank you so much. What's your, what's your Twitter and Instagram? My, both of them are my first name, which is F-L-O-J-A-U-N-E. So you can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook. I love hanging out on all of them. So feel free to, to DM me or to tweet, retweet. Um, I, I love it. Comment. Um, this is a great conversation. I love hearing what people have to say and your perspectives. And so I will bring up things you tell me in with, with or with attribution, depending on what you tell me. Um, <laughs> because I think it's important to raise up these voices. Like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to raise up the voices of these mothers who have lost, you know, parents who have lost um, uh, children to gun violence and say like, that's what they're saying they need. Like, they're, they're not, they're out here saying like, this would, I understand root causes, right? Um, and at the root of this is, I don't want anybody else to experience what I've experienced and here's how we can do that. So listen to them. And respect them and change based on their advice because they paid the ultimate price. Absolutely. Daryl, you've not paid no price. No prices. And yet no prices. You, you insist on denigrating their experiences by not following what they say to do. Exactly. So, all right, well, take care. This has been fantastic. Uh, thank you for listening. And I, this is why I'm doing this because lifting up voices like yours that are not only just well-informed and brilliant, but also like moral. And I think that like we can't lose sight of the fact that like this is actually like on top of procedure and on top of budget, this is about a moral question of who we want to be and whose priorities we want to kind of like focus on and and are we willing to be this shitty? Yeah. And I would say not. I would hope not. I mean, honestly, I I really, I really hope that. I wasn't trying to be a jerk, although I'm sure it sounds like it when I said, like, I really want you to go home and think about this because I, I honestly think that some of the things that are our lived experience, other people just are never even considering. And I'd like for you to go, I'd like for you to read something. I'd like for you to think about something, like really consider, is this how you want to be? And hopefully it's not because I think a lot of these are, I think a lot of these decisions are intentional, but I just hold on to that hope that maybe this is ignorance versus hubris. 
but they're intentional for a few people, but they're habit for the rest. And like, when you reconsider your habits, you're like, Hmm, I got fat. What yep. happened? You know, yep. investigate. <laughs> yep. Um, all right. Well, uh, thank you so much. Well, this has been fantastic. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate this. This is anytime. Awesome. And also let's all, um, figure out what's going down in 2023 when the, the campaign for flow for mayor will be <sighs> beginning and I will have everything to do with that if I need to. <laughs> and I am not, I get what I want. If it's not you, then you better make a compelling case for someone else. Okay. I- so that's on you. If you're Challenge not the best accepted. person, then show me who is, and I will Challenge support accepted. that. Challenge accepted. Amen. All right, well, take care. <laughs> Same to you. Thanks again, Trey. All right, bye.